Welcome to the greatest show you will see anywhere in broadcast. Scarlin behind the camera shaking his head up and down. It's Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, with uh, the greatest hockey mom you'll ever meet, greatest leader, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing? We're doing great. We're, we're getting a little bit slap happy, but that's okay. I think we need a couple more smiles and laughs today, so uh, I'm okay with it. Doing you really good. You want to smile laugh before we bring in John Devon, who is the president of Fedway Associates, for a very serious discussion about leadership. Let's do a couple things. Um, first of all, Frank, Frank Brown, our audio engineer, real quick, you offline, you had a uh, leadership issue that came up during a break today. Where's Frank? Go ahead, Frank, talk to us. Well, uh, as I went to go get lunch, we, um, we took our break. I went upstairs and my wife, who is a, a leader at her job, she has a staff that's a global staff, and she actually was on, the, on a Zoom talking to somebody who works for her about how to get some supplies, some um, supermarket supplies to some of the people that work for her in Texas. So I actually said out loud, that's a good leader, because I mean, listen, we listen to this all day with you when we're doing you and Mary uh, talking about what good leadership is. And that was actually kind of interesting that it kind of fell in place as I went to go get my lunch. Yeah, and by the way, we should let everyone know we're taping on, on the 18th of February. This will be seen after. Folks in Texas are experiencing horrific situation. We pray and wish them all the best. And Frank, it's because folks like your wife step up and help other people. Thank you, Frank, for sharing that. Hey, can we, we go from that? I promise we're going to John in 30 seconds. Our director, our leader, Alvin, Alvin Badger. Let me, Alvin, you dressed up today, especially for the show. Could you show <laughs> everyone? Could 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 you go to a shop? Yes, sir. What does it say? Bo I know you're the boss. Oh, you're the boss man. <laughs> and hold on, would you do this for us? Yes. Sir. You're our director. Do, do you? Will you not turn around? For you, Steve, I will turn around. Turn, check this out. Check this out. What's it, bend down a little bit. There you go. Director of the year. <laughs> and Elvin, may I ask, who voted you director of the year? That little man right there. And <laughs> it's his big television debut. <laughs> by the way, hey, he, he. Yeah, by the way, that's that's John. John just jumped right in. I love it. I love it. This that's, is great. By the this way, is John great Devin, president of Fedway Associates. By the way, who, Alvin, which guy is it? Who is that over there? That's my youngest son, Joshua. Joshua, well done, Joshua. Hey, um, John, you can see this is a pretty informal show compared to our PBS programming. Yeah, just um, a tad bit. You are big on family. You, you probably father of the year in your house. I know that I'm still competing. I don't know who I'm competing with. I'm the only one in my house. Um, how important is family to you? as you do what you do every day for the great organization, Fedway, the Fedway family as well, which we'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, families, uh, families, what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. I got four kids uh, between 20 and 25 years old, two boys, two girls, uh, coached a lot of sports for the olders, uh, for, for my older son and my younger son. And then since I, I'm not a gymnast or a lacrosse player, I didn't do much for the, for the, for the ladies in between, but you know, my kids are just everything to myself and my wife, Ellen. And, uh, and, and during the pandemic, actually, we had a little chance to spend a little bit more time with them, which uh, is actually been one of the kind of hidden benefits of, uh, of, of a kind of a sad time here. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're great. Family's important. And, and I look at Fedway 
Uh, I've only been here at Fedway now for about 10 months now. I started right around the time the, the pandemic began. And Fedway's a family. We've got 800 employees here that uh, you know we see, we look at as, a, as an extended family. And uh, uh, I'm really happy to join board here. Uh, John, do us a favor. Tell everyone what Fedway is. We know it because Fedway is a big supporter of what we do on sure. the public broadcasting side. We're actually going to be doing some leadership development at Fedway uh, in, the, in, in the near future. Tell everyone what Fedway is. Fedway is a wine and spirits distributor here in the great state of New Jersey, the, the largest wine and spirits distributor here. And uh, uh, yeah, we're the ones that are providing the, the product for all the retailers and restaurateurs out there in the marketplace to sell to, to the customers. So uh, well said. We, we've been doing it for quite some time and, uh, and uh, the Leventhal family has owned the company since the late seventies. And by the way, Max, Max Leventhal was with us. Max, um, what is Max's, Max's title at the organization, John? Max title is director of business development, but he's really he's really the owner in waiting. You know, he's uh, you know Richard has really raised raised a great young man there. That's going to be his dad. Yeah. Company. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Max yeah. because check out lessons in leadership on our website, which will be up right now for a great interview that we did with Max. Hey, Mary, let's disclose. You, you know, John, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we we know each other from uh, uh, in Westfield, the hockey community, and uh, we've definitely spent a lot of time in the hockey rink together, and also at the bars celebrating and sometimes crying <laughs> over a beer or Guinness or two. That's right. Yeah, That's we spent right. a lot of time with John at the bar, Mary. We're we're an informal show. There, but... I know, I know, I know. But as any hockey or sports parents can tell you, there's a ton of time before and after these games that the kids are doing their meetings. So. You know, thankfully for, you know, we have Fedway to make sure that the wines and spirits are getting to the bars and getting to the restaurants so the parents could also have a little bit of fun as well. You know, talk to us about this, John, leadership development. And we talked about this with Max as well. And actually, Mary always, Mary and I, and I joke that the last meeting we actually had in person before the pandemic in uh, early two, uh, 2020 got really bad was at Fedway talking about the Leadership Academy. Your view of leadership development, particularly in these incredibly difficult times where so many are retrenching, pulling back and saying, leadership development, we don't have the luxury of doing that. And I know you don't see it that way. Yeah, I, I don't. And, and, and look, it's, it's at a time like this, you know, the, the amount of communication and the empathy and that you need to show with your teams and, and, and the connectedness that, that everybody's lacking and, and is longing for, you have to work that much harder to do. And, and the only way to do it is to be, you know, lead by example and show your teams that you're willing to do this and many of the things that, that, that need to be done, uh, whether or not it's in your, in your area of purvey or not. I mean, a, a number of people on our team that were calling on the restaurants whose businesses got, you know, decimated with, uh, with, with the, the pandemic. Some of our on-premise people and some of our on-premise managers started working in the warehouse for us. We needed some extra people in the warehouse to work on the bottle line and to help us get our goods to the marketplace. So, you know, by, by everybody pitching in and showing that they're willing to do whatever it is for the team is, is you know, you're, you're kind of living a life of leadership while, you, while you're doing everything to, uh, to help during the pandemic. Well said, so by the way, one, Mary and I often say that leadership is about sometimes having to play out of position. It's not yeah. your position. Well, that's where yeah. we need you. I've had people actually say, that's not what my job, I'm like, you're kidding me, right? That's what we need right now. And I'm not asking you to put your life at risk. I'm not talking about anything unethical, immoral. Well, I know it's not in my, well, not to, Mary, fair to say, we'll have John talk about it. We can't survive. We can't, forget about survive, thrive, yeah. not happening. 
Well, it, it's a culture. And I think, John, really, you hit it on the head when you were talking about it, and Max said it as well. And you're comparing your organization and the people that work for you as your family. And how do you instill that culture? Is it that when you go out and you hire people, you say, hey, you know, what is your culture? What is your leadership DNA? Or is it something, it's, it's almost like the, uh, are you born with it or do you somehow train it? So I'm curious on that. How do you get that culture at Fedway? Well, you know, and, and it, it's a little bit corny to say this, but, you know, our Fedway logo, you know, has a little logo there. It says Fedway where you come first. And when we say you, that it's, it's, it's the employee, it's the customer, and it's our suppliers who provide the products for us. It's everybody. It, it, it's, it's about, you know, you know, kind of expanding outward and, and, and trying to, you know, you know, and draw people in as part of uh, your, your family, your, your culture. And that's what we try to do. And, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know if it, there's a, a systematic way of finding the right people for that, or it's just something as, you're, as bring, you bring people on board that you feel when you meet them and, and it's a feel type of thing, but it's definitely something that we look for. And it's what has so many people, you know, not only, uh, you know, aren't looking like they're playing out of position, they're enjoying helping out in, as in, in the warehouse and they're enjoying re getting redeployed to do something that's more important for the company at that point. Um, and that a lot of that comes directly from the top of our company. Nobody uh, is above doing anything else that they can do to pitch in to help support the business overall. And that comes directly from Richard. It sure does. Uh, you know, uh, Richard is, uh, is, is, you know, led the company since the late seventies. Uh, you know, we had a tragedy with our company back in, uh, <sighs> in, in uh, 2012 with uh, Hurricane Sandy. You know, 600,000 cases, you know, you know, spilling out onto, you know, in, in Carney out of our warehouse and every single person in the company, our suppliers, uh, you know, yeah. our customers, uh, competitive distributors were helping to support us. And, uh, you know, we've got some really great videos that show all the teams working that. together that I think is a special way. And it, it's indicative of the type of organization we are and we want to be going forward. Yeah. And by the way, your colleague, Rob. Sansone, our good friend, shares that story all the time. We've seen those pictures are extraordinary. Before I let you go, John, I'm curious about this. You talked about how you learned leadership and how you grew up around it and sports, et cetera. I'm a big fan of saying that um, not everyone is either born to be a leader or frankly has what it takes to be a leader, which ultimately means no matter what goes wrong with anyone on your team, no matter what they're doing, it's not ultimately their responsibility. It may be their fault, but it's your responsibility as a leader. And not a lot of people can handle that because they'll say, well, I didn't screw up. She did. He did. But you put them there. Um, you're smiling because? Yeah, I'm smiling because it's absolutely true. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, there's, you know, it's like a sports metaphor where you say everybody plays different positions or, or those types of things. And, and you know, in this, there's, there's gravitate towards certain people to become leaders on sports teams and organizations and, you know, titles and whatnot, put people in particular positions within their companies. But the people who are leading the organization are the ones who are ultimately responsible. They're the ones that are supposed to be looking at the way the company's developing or the, or the team's developing and putting people into positions to succeed. So I look at it as, you know, as, I, as the president of this company, I'm responsible for what happens. And if somebody is not performing, I got to help them. I got to find a way to help them. I got to adapt to the things that they need. And I've got to be able to give them the resources to be successful. And that's what's, you know, the most important part about being a leader in my mind. 
And by the way, uh, Mary John doesn't get the luxury of saying, yeah, but I wasn't here when that happened. <laughs> it's like, yeah, technically he wasn't. In fact, he wasn't. But it's, it's on your watch, right, John? When it's on your watch, it's on your watch. You, you gotta, sometimes you got to clean up mess that was there before you. That doesn't mean you don't have to clean it up. Hey, Mary, you ever see, you ever see leaders, governors, presidents? I'm not naming anyone. It was the previous administration. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of pointer finger, uh, you know, finger pointing and blaming and, and yeah, not me, the other guy. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hey, hey, listen, John, thank you for joining us. Thank you for everything that the Fedway family is doing for so many others, incredibly generous corporate citizens. We look forward working to working with you and Rob and Max and Rich and the team and, and hopefully uh, doing some leadership development in the future. And just thank you for everything. Final words, John? Well, Steve and Mary, thank you for having me on. And, and I think the next time we, uh, we meet, maybe we should be over at Dowling's after yeah. a uh, Westfield High School hockey game, maybe. That sounds you know, good. <laughs> talk a little bit about uh, what happened on the ice. I love it. I love plugging Dowling's. We'll definitely put up a website and people can know where to go. Best neighborhood bar ever. Best neighborhood bar ever. It's like, it's like cheers. Like you go in, everybody knows your name. It's you walk in, the Guinness is out there, just ready to go. It's just, it's great. Yeah. Well, that's, we've got to get past COVID, get there. By the way, Mary, since we're talking hockey, what was the thing about where the 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 puck's coming, you have to know where the puck is. Oh, you gotta know. Yeah, it's not about where the puck is; it's where it's gonna be. That's where you need to be. And uh, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, people argue who came up with that quote. You know who it was. I say it's Wayne Gretzky, but what does that have to do with leadership? Knowing where John, what does it have to do with leadership? Knowing where the puck is gonna be. What's that? Uh, it's all. It's all about anticipation. It's vision. It's anticipation. It's knowing what where things are going from a business standpoint. From a uh, you know it's. That's the way that that's the way it should be. And it is Wayne Gretzky. You're absolutely right, Mary. Hey, welcome to the hockey half hour here. <laughs> hey, we've had enough conversation of basketball yes. on here with Seton Hall basketball. So I'm happy to talk hockey well, all day, any day. I got I got that's, that's <laughs> the smallest basketball you ever see. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba, John Devin, President Fedway Associates. We'll be right back after this on Lessons in Leadership. Thank you, John. Thank you. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. Hey, Mary, we jumped right into it in the beginning of the show, and we did not let everyone know before we introduced the great Dr. Andre Gua. Let everyone know who our sponsors are because they pay for this show. Yes, and I would also like to acknowledge that there's a snowstorm going on, and my neighbor just went past my window with a snowblower. So, <laughs> but you we're taping to on the 18th. Hold we're, on. Yeah. We're taping on the 18th of February. This will be seen later. You're like, what snow? Exactly. Go ahead, Mary. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, but I'd love to thank our funders. So, we've got Prager Metis, Valley Bank, New Jersey Sharing Network, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, 
Seton Hall University and Seton Hall University Bacino Leadership Institute. And I'd also like to thank our promotional partners, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, as well as NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine. Thank you, Mary. Hey, on camera right now, he is uh, someone who's helped so many people for so long, a great friend. Dr. Andre Gua is chairman, chief physician officer, the John Thur Cancer Center, also physician in chief, Hackensack Meridian Health Oncology. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Steve. Uh, I should disclose that I've been doing physician leadership at Hackensack Meridian Health for many, many years, and, and I've worked with Dr. Gua, and the truth is I learned way more from him than he's ever learned from me. Um, Andre, let me ask you this. You and your colleagues involved in innovative, cutting-edge research. Yeah, yeah. Why is that leadership? Well, we are very fortunate to leave as oncologists at a time where medicine in general, but oncology in particular, will be reinvented in the next 15, 20 years, I believe. We have an acceleration of innovation from the novel therapy we have, technology, human sequencing now can be done for less than $1,000, explosion of genomics, immunotherapy, et cetera. So we have the ability to move forward and apply this at scale in three directions. Implement precision medicine or precise therapy for each patient, so personalize the treatment for a patient. Take advantage of the immunotherapy that is now transforming the field of cancer at large and also use data analytics to better understand what's the best option for a given option, a given patient when they come to see you. So this is a really terrific time in oncology and I'm very, very uh, optimistic that the future is very bright and there will be a continued acceleration of research. It is a needed thing because we actually are gonna have an increase of cancer by at least 45% in the next 20 years. Why is that Andre? This is a multi-layered questions. Part of it is demographics as our population is aging. Part of it is lifestyle related. It is estimated that up to 40, 50% of cancers are, can be lifestyle related. So I think the future is evolving into three direction in cancer. What I typically call pre-cancer and post-cancer and the actual episode of care of cancer in the middle. So pre-cancer, we will focus a lot more on early detection using genomics to try to identify cancer before patients have truly symptoms of cancer. And I believe in my lifetime, um, the ability to have an intervention to block the cancer at that time. We'll also look a lot more at the immune system really knowing that the immune system is able to kill cancer cells early on and try to see if we can take advantage of this, particularly after the treatment of cancer where we can measure microscopic disease and look at the immune status of the immune system of a given patient to try to see if we can take advantage of novel technology and therapies to reinforce their immune system and improve their survivorship and prevent recurrence. Hey, Mary, talk about leadership and innovation. Dr. Gua just <laughs> made it clear. It's all about leadership and innovation. Mary, pick it up from there. Yeah, sure. And Dr. Gua, how do you get your patients? And you talked about you know, the early factors and things that we can all do to just keep ourselves healthier especially with COVID, especially with so much fear out there, there's been so many stories about, hey, I'm afraid to go in for my regular checkups or my regular scans. And, and how are you giving your patients and their family members peace of mind that it is safe and okay to come and get care? It's a really great question. And uh, uh, these issues that you alluded to cannot be uh, looked at separately. Like a family going through a crisis, what happened in real life here, our team worked closely together to really identify a way forward. 
Taking care of our patient is our purpose. Each of our team member does this um, 24 seven. And this is a really important aspect because the pandemic turned our world upside down, instilling concerns, both in patients, obviously, but in caregivers and, and, and uh, providers in a cancer center and across healthcare, in general, toward the, the risk of their patients that are vulnerable, but also their own risk and their family members, and afraid of bringing the virus home and have, losing a friend or a colleague and not being able to take care of their patients, obviously. So together we rallied and learned quickly on how to protect and create a safe and stable environment. That was critical. We started to have a masking in the second week of March. And we had then afterwards twice weekly gathering to adjust to a very fluid situation when you think about it. The other thing that we did very early on is implement ex extensive education for both patient, caregivers, employees, but also community at large. And to try to um, explain to patients that in a context of a safety, you can continue your okay, care. This is important, cancer doesn't wait. And I think this is important also for the team again. It all works hand in hand. As an example, I was very touched recently when some nurses were talking about what happened during COVID. And they, several of them mentioned that uh, they did not feel once that physicians around them feared what was coming ahead. Even if inside we actually very naturally worried given the fact that we were really in uncharted territory. I would say that I'm very proud to say that not only we were able to provide continuity of care, which is very important in cancer, including research, but our team was also very involved in trying to find COVID solutions from testing method to successful treatment, including personalized plasma therapy that was featured on 60 Minutes. That's right. As, That's well right. As, as well as COVID registry to help understand better how these patients were handled early on. Uh, Andre, and, uh, and time we have left, go ahead, finish your point, because I want to ask you about the human side of this in a second. Go ahead, Andre. Yeah, I think it's been a, a, a really, and you alluded to the human side, it's a good segue to say it's been a really rough year for all of us, obviously, but so full of inspiring experience, in particular, our staff dedication but also our patient who trusted us even in so difficult times to our continued mission. With the solidarity that you could observe, notice every day between employees, between team members, their patients, their caregivers was nothing else than humbling. And I think this is once again, human beings raised to the occasion and that's quite remarkable. Quick follow-up because I've known Andre for a long time because I've called him with I'm sure ridiculous questions about my own fears, about family members, and he's been so helpful to so many people in and around my family, and, and Mary knows as well. Andre, this is the thing that I often wonder about. You and your colleagues are trained as scientists, as researchers, as clinicians, as extraordinary surgeons, so well-educated, so technically, not technically, medically, clinically sound. How the heck do you, are you expected to learn to make presentations, to run a meeting, to coach and mentor other people, to discipline people or coach them when things go wrong? Where does the leadership training come in when you spend all this time becoming as good as you are at the other things you do? I think this is a really um, important aspect that, you, that you're raising. Obviously, leadership is leading by example, and I think um, including keep practicing medicine, even as a leader. And you mentioned communication and how to train to carry a message. And I think this is really important because communication is essential during COVID. For us, communication was really particularly important for 
transparency and listening to our employees and going around the cancer center and meeting them, sitting down at the end of the day and say, how was the day? This was better than yesterday and, and we are heading in the right direction. It was very important, this communication and, and this training to guide, motivate and inspire our colleagues towards our common goal, which is using our knowledge and expertise to improve cancer patients' experience and the outcome, even in the setting of a pandemic. And, I and think to I hide your fears? I'm sorry? Andre, I'm sorry for interrupting, but, but hiding your own fears, not showing your own fear, your, your own vulnerability, how, think, how do you compartmentalize? I think we are, you have in medicine, particularly in oncology, you have to compartmentalize because you have your humans, you have a relationship with your patient, which is, I would say, argue that's part of the art of practicing medicine, that you need to have a connection at a human level to your patient. But we also never forget the technical part of it, of what we're doing, the research, that's where the research really fits in, and difficult situation when someone is not doing well with a given treatment. What keeps you going is the fact that you see what else can we do by pushing the envelope one patient at a time, and obviously participating in clinical trial and research. So you have to show some vulnerability that's part of the leadership, but you also have to really compartmentalize in a way to make sure a sense of calm and, um, and, and, and to continue and stable environment to continue to take care of our patients. You know, as we thank Dr. Gua for joining us, Mary, I'm thinking about the description that Andre, Dr. Andre Gua just gave. That's one human being doing this. Right. It's extraordinary. Um, uh, Andre, thank you not just for being with us, but for everything you do every day for so many. Thank you, Andre. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Have a good night. Our pleasure. That's Andre Glaw. That's Mary. We'll be back to say goodbye right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Mary, uh, Dr. Gua is a, a great friend, and, but I got to tell you, there's something you said I want to follow up on. You have to have empathy, but you also have to separate and compartmentalize. Now, that's for a surgeon, physician, oncologist extraordinaire. For a leader, does he or she have to do the same thing as well? 100% yes. And whether you work in, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a teacher, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, banker, it doesn't matter. You need to compartmentalize. If you try to take on too much at once, it's a, it, it just seems like an impossible burden. Whereas if you just have to carry one of those things, whatever it may be, it's much more manageable. So I am all about putting things both you know, even physically in my world, everything needs to be in a space and mentally, you also need to take that time because if you don't break it down, it's too much for even the best leader to handle. So, well, here's the other thing that's really interesting. We're a year into the, uh, into COVID. It'll be seen after that. Um, some very tough decisions had to be made on our team. Just think about this. I'm just talking about our small little team. We had to make tough decisions. And we cut costs, which is another way of saying we, there are some people who no longer work with us. Empathy, yeah, it's, it, I don't wanna say, it really stunk, it stinks to know that that person, those people, their families are adversely affected. 
but if and there's empathy there but if you if you don't step back and make the best decision for the organization to stay in business what have you done compartmentalize mary you got a few seconds go ahead yeah no definitely you, i'm you sorry i got a minute to. left my bad Okay, no, that's all good. Um, and literally, you need to. You need to make sure that you're doing what's best for yourself, your team, and the organization as a whole. And sometimes that means making really tough choices. And if you don't compartmentalize, I think you'll just let the guilt and the fear uh, really just paralyze you. And that's not good for any leader. So you do have to make those tough decisions. And unfortunately, um, you know, we had to do that on our team. But Sometimes you need to do that in order to keep the organization afloat. And final point on this. I've had I've coached leaders who said, I can't let him go. I can't let her go. They have a family. They have a mortgage. So, and that person's not performing in this case, not in our case, but in that case. They don't let that person go. All of a sudden, the team suffers. Then they have to close up shop. What have you just done? Elvin, I get the message. I understand. We got to go. Steve, Mary, lessons in leadership. Hopefully, you took something from today of value. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, is brought to you by Valley Bank, the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, New Jersey Sharing Network, Prager Metis, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.